Stories of the Street. I'm Sachi. I'm Kelly. As we meet new people and discover new places around the world, we encounter countless stories that we feel need to be told. This is one of these stories. We just got back from three months in East Africa. We went to Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania. And most of it was by car or by truck. We had an enormous truck. There was also a crew that traveled with us called the Bundus, which if you're ever in East Africa, actually, you can go on a trip with them, I think. Shout out to Mukhtar, the, what is he, the head of Bundus? (laughs) Mukhtar, the head of Bundus. We were there with McGill and our professors to take classes and do research. Essentially, we never had a classroom and that our classroom was the field. So it was always very random. Sometimes it was on a rock or in the middle of a field. And a lot of the classes were structured around kind of spontaneous guest speaker events or site visits. So we were on a flight from Nairobi to Kilimanjaro and one of the staff members was sitting next to this judge who works for the East African Court of Justice, which is basically like the Supreme Court for East Africa. And the next day we were sitting in on a hearing at the EACJ. The hearing... I mean, I was kind of expecting someone who parked on the wrong side of the road or something, but this case was about a political prisoner from South Sudan who was a businessman and now is locked incommunicado without charge. Uh, So it was a pretty high-profile case, and he had previously led a prison riot to overtake the prison guards, and he staged a press conference. So it's, yeah, it was pretty intense, and we were just there to listen which was so cool so that was pretty representative of how it worked and how the classes were structured so they're very spontaneous we never really knew the day before what we would be doing and when we got to a place even the professors didn't really know what to expect sometimes no one had even been there before a lot of the lessons we had and outings we had were organized in that way other things like going to a dutch flower farm in kenya where they export 2.5 million roses a week, I think, to Europe. And we also went to tea plantations in Uganda. We went to a dump site in Fort Portal in Uganda, microfinance institutions, hospitals in different places, really a lot of different things. We went to the International Criminal Court. We sat in on a roundtable discussion at UNEP in Nairobi. We really met some amazing people. We did chimp tracks and then we did game drives in the Maasai Mara, Serengeti. We did hikes up Mount Laganat, boat rides to Crescent Island. That was so cool. It's an island in Kenya on Lake Naivasha, right? And for the movie Out of Africa, they shipped in a lot of animals like zebras, wildebeest, giraffes. And after they shot the movie, they just left and they left all the animals on the island still. So it's really cool in the sense that since they imported no dangerous animals or no real predators you can just walk on the island and you'll be within 10 feet of a zebra all of a sudden all this is to say that it was so kind of crazy and so unconventional how we were learning there I do really think that I learned more this semester than other semesters just because of those opportunities and we really had access to really cool things because of our professors and their connections. When the program first started though, I was a little bit hesitant. So yeah, that's true. The first place we went to was Mount Kenya and the road there to the campsite was very bumpy, a small dirt track, didn't look like we were going anywhere. 
and Sachi was very apprehensive about it and we get out of the truck and it's a campsite that's full of all these animals I'm talking peacocks turkeys chickens there's so much going on there were actual peacocks wild dogs chickens it was not contained and there was dirt oh there was a pond but so yeah I saw the pond the pond looked nice I figured it would be nice to wake up next to fresh water but then after we set up our tent right next to the pond I sat down in silence and just heard buzzing and obviously the pond is a breeding ground for mosquitoes so that wasn't a pleasant surprise but it went up from there I will say it definitely went up from there, but we also had worse situations in regarding wildlife and animals in other locations. One of the next places we went to was Lake Naivasha in Kenya, and there we were camping right next to the water, so right next to the lake, which is where there are many hippos, which would aggressively come out at night. Yeah, common theme is... Camping next to the water with great expectations and then some (laughs) (laughs) horrible surprise. Waking up at 3 a.m. because hippos are calling each other and growling. And honestly, I don't even know how to describe how that sounded, but it was terrifying. Yeah, they are notoriously aggressive. Like they had just killed two tourists who were taking selfies in front of the hippos a few months back, I think. And then when we were in Kibali, which is a rainforest national park in western uganda near the drc border there were many issues regarding elephants so the entire time we were there we were constantly being told how to be cautious and how to avoid seeing elephants because they're also notoriously aggressive and everything we did was centered around the elephants so we weren't allowed to go out at certain times or go in certain places when we'd go into the rainforest there'd be field assistants walking a few meters ahead of us looking out for elephants Yeah, there we were in a research center in the rainforest, so in the protected area. So there wasn't any other buildings around us, and we were very much in nature. And we had monkeys everywhere. We had gorilla. Are they gorilla? No, No. baboons. We had baboons and monkeys, but I guess the elephants were what we were looking out for most. Even though we didn't see any elephants the whole time. We even heard gunshots at night because... There's a problem with elephants crop raiding in the local communities surrounding the rainforest. So the elephants tend to go out at night and raid crops of maize and different plants. So locals use guns to scare them away. And then in one of our classes, we set up camera traps around the camp and we saw how many elephants actually come by the camp at night, which was unsettling. And you saw every morning you would wake up and see the footprints of elephants and where they had knocked down trees. And I really can't imagine living there day to day as a local who owns a farm because all their crops get destroyed by these elephants. We're not making this place sound great, but honestly, it was really cool as well to be in the rainforest because it was such a special setting and we saw some really cool animals. And that was the place where we stayed the longest. So we were there for two weeks. And we were there with a McGill professor who's been doing research there for, I think, over 28 years. 38. 38? Yeah. Really? Yeah, 38 years. Wow. Okay. Well, 38 years. So that was definitely the place where we had the strongest sense of community. It was, as I said before, it was in the national park and we were the only people allowed to stay there because we were doing research. So it was very isolated. 
There was no phone service either. It kind of was like a prison because we were in the middle of the rainforest. We couldn't leave because of these elephants. And all the activities we had were group activities. So that was night hikes for watching birds, day hikes for watching birds. And that was pretty much it. So we had to kind of self-organize. We just had less to do. So we really had a lot of spare time to fill with various activities. One of our friends who was on the trip is a, she's part of Team Canada for karate. So she was teaching us karate lessons. I don't think I ever did one, but I would see all these people kicking in the middle of the rainforest. <laughs> and then what else did we do? Not much. That was it. Um, so we, oh yeah, we also watched movies. We, so we did the karate, we watched movies, we did exercises. We all, yeah, we even threw a party in the lecture hall. That was honestly really cool. Two girls had made friends with the guy who works at the nearest bar, which is just really a small house with someone who sells drinks. And they had convinced him to bring the speakers and bring drinks to the our research compound. And we set up a whole party there, which was fun. Our research center was quite far away from any town where there would be stores, so... This man named Juicy would come and take our orders and then go to that village. I think it was 40 kilometers away and he would buy us chocolate and things. That was really nice of him, but he didn't really speak English completely. And we don't speak Swahili or Rutoro completely. So there were a lot of lost in translation moments in those transactions. You would often order, for example, hazelnut chocolate and then come back and it would be pistachio crunch (laughs) or something odd that you had never even heard of and then the oreos would be crackers or something like that so we'd all go to the box when he came back from the market so excited and then be really confused (laughs) whenever we opened it one girl even ordered advil and he came back with the morning after pill so she didn't really know what to do with that (laughs) The people who weren't satisfied with their orders would then try swap their chocolate at a higher value. And yeah, everyone was trying to get rid of their cashew coconut chocolate in exchange for some regular Cadbury's dairy milk, which was funny. But yeah, people were getting quite desperate. We were also extremely cautious about mango flies while we were there because a mango fly is essentially a larva that lands on your skin and is only transferred from damp clothing, and it then burrows into your skin, and then flies out a while later. It sounds disgusting, and we were all horrified by this, so we were told to iron absolutely everything, or just not do laundry there, because you didn't want to have your damp clothes outside drying, attracting these flies. Anyway, a lot of people melted their underwear trying to iron it with this old iron that didn't have any heat regulation yeah i mean the mango flies aren't actually that intense i feel like because there's no real danger i mean maybe it can get infected but one of our profs actually is famous on youtube if you google it um for having bot flies which are like mango flies i think but much worse because they have spikes so when it flies out of you it's really painful but he went to panama and i think purposefully got the 
spot flies in him so he could study them, but he had 36 in his back and two on his head. So you can imagine how painful that would be. And it's under YouTube, actually. I think it's the first video, and it's like his name and then vacation's gone wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, he's really proud of that. So I think the mango flies, I mean, they're gross, but it could be worse. I was, I think the thing I was most terrified of were the snakes, because, I mean, why wouldn't you be? That's the most poisonous thing that can bite you, I think. So we'd have an anti-venom kit that our doctor would carry around everywhere, which is quite unsettling. But apparently this thing costs a few thousand dollars, and it's like an IV drip, and then you still have to go to the hospital immediately, even if you inject yourself with this. It was very hardcore. After Kibali, we moved on to Lake Nabagabo, then Jinja, and then we moved on to Tanzania. Gradually, as the trip went on, our standards kept on getting lower. (laughs) So (laughs) the whole time, obviously, we were hand washing our clothes. We were doing a lot of activities in the forest outside where there's a lot of sand, dirt, you name it. Nothing ever felt clean. (laughs) And then people also started getting bored of the clothes they had because no one really brought much with them since we could only take a backpack and everyone would be swapping things you'd see the same romper on like 10 different girls within a week and I just thought it was so funny one morning when one girl on the trip asked another girl she could wear the shirt she had worn yesterday and this girl says yeah of course you can have it but it has sweat all over it and you can see these dirt marks and I think I tore a part of it yesterday but do you still want it? And she said, yeah, of course. And that's when I realized what point we had gotten to. In terms of food, too, our standards were getting pretty low because, I mean, we had amazing food. The Bundus cooked every meal for us, pretty much. But there wasn't that much variation. So most of the meals were beans, ugali, which is corn flour mixed with water. Um, it forms kind of a bread slash paste bread kind of carbs maybe cabbage sometimes and yeah i mean the food was great sometimes i mean we petitioned for toasted bread but when we got to arusha we went to the supermarket honestly it felt like we could have been in tesco's in the uk or any british supermarket because they had mostly british brands and it was also really expensive but we were all so excited (laughs) just at the opportunity to buy different kinds of foods especially stuff that we'd be more familiar with or would eat at home this is where kelly and i discovered our coffee solution because we were told at before starting the trip that there wouldn't be coffee like to wean off coffee or get used to powdered instant coffee which was absolutely horrible for me because i was in palo alto california right before the trip with my family who's so into coffee we would do coffee tastings three times a day. (laughs) I don't know how people are that into coffee, but I mean, Kelly and I are into coffee. We have an equivalent of three espresso shots each every morning. And I mean, it's just a central part of our lives. But anyway, it had been pretty rough up to this point at the Tesco's looking supermarket in Arusha. But when we were there, we discovered how we could make this work. It was a pretty great life hack. We bought coffee grinds, and then we bought the filters, and then we constructed a drip machine from an old water bottle. 
it was pretty genius honestly we were very happy that morning and also credits to slay the girl who play who does karate because it was really her idea <laughs> yeah <laughs> initially we just had the filter and the grinds and so we were pouring the water through but the filter wasn't strong enough to hold together the grind so yeah, it was kind of disastrous, but then Slay came in clutch with the idea of the water bottle. But also, I feel like it wasn't the best. I mean, if we had had more time, we could have innovated more, because I think the water bottle wasn't BPA-free, so we were probably kind of poisoning ourselves. I don't know what BPA is, but... We just know you're not supposed to consume it. <laughs> Regarding accommodation, our standards were also pretty low... As we already said, it started off with not the best campsite in Mount Kenya, but we definitely had our ups and downs along the way. By Lake Nabugabo, we were staying in little houses, so there was a big lake house right by the water, and there were these smaller bandas further up the hill. And once we got there, the staff really sold the lake house to us and told us it was the best place, it was where everyone hangs out anyway, it's right by the water, you can hear the currents as you go to sleep and everyone's gonna hang out there because that's where the common space is and you're all together because I think there were 16 beds in that house we were quickly sold and loved the sound of this place yeah I was even sick and I had the option of going into a banda where I would be in a private room and I chose the lake house because of how good they made it sound we soon realized however that we pulled the short end of the stick once nighttime came around, immediate buzzing ensued. ensued in the house. And honestly, it was horrific. I, I can't even... There were bugs everywhere, especially these mayflies or insects that live by water. And we were honestly right by the water. And again, an instance of situating your living space right by the water. And every time there's something bad that comes out of it. Just don't do it. <laughs> So we're 16 in this house. It's very small. There were two rooms of six and one room of four, I think. And in my room, there were three bunk beds right against each other. Very little space to maneuver. Bugs everywhere in the corners of the ceiling, especially. The sound was really loud and really unsettling. There were frogs in the one bathroom we had for everyone. And one girl found a tarantula in her shoe it just everything kept adding up and then we managed to get the bugs out by turning off all the lights and by turning on a light outside and by spraying deet absolutely everywhere but once that had been done we couldn't turn on any lights anywhere so once the sun set in navagabo all through that week we couldn't turn any lights on anyway um, during the like day being by lake navagabo was really nice and just pretty enjoyable because we could just stay outside and there weren't bugs all over the place it was just a totally different place at night most of the time we were in tents but then there were times that we were in i guess the lake house in nabugabo and then hotel rooms that were pretty hit or miss but definitely some nice ones and then a lot of the times there would be one big room which would house most of us in kind of hostel style dorms and it, they really looked like orphanages <laughs> but they were they were nice I mean they had the mosquito nets they had the beds sometimes sort of broken but the bad thing about that though was that 
we all have different sleeping patterns, obviously, but there's always those that get up at 3 a.m. to go to the bathroom or that wake up at 5 a.m. naturally or that go to sleep at 3 a.m. So, yeah, you wouldn't get much sleep, especially because the beds were so creaky and the floors would creak. One major breaking point for the group regarding accommodation was when we got to Kakamega which is a town in northern Kenya. We were just there as a sort of layover because we were driving. We had three full travel days, I think, to go to Uganda, to go to Kibali, actually. And this was one of the places we were staying after the first travel day, which was 10 hours. That was also a terrible drive because the majority of the group had caught some kind of food poisoning. A lot of people were sick and just naturally nauseous from the bumpy roads. Me and another girl had scabies. It was just a really bad ride for everyone. And then once we arrived, we pulled up into the parking lot of this hotel, which was in the city in Kakamega. And we'd been told that we would have space to camp. And no one had been here before, none of the staff. Once we arrived, everyone quickly realized that there wasn't really much room to camp. There was very little green space. And the manager of the hotel just pointed down at the parking lot and said, well, you can pitch your tents here on the tarmac which you couldn't even put the tents up there and I think everyone just sort of broke down at that point because everyone was so tired and feeling so unwell and just the idea of camping was really not an option. Thankfully the staff realized that too and managed to get us rooms in the hotel. Yeah the worst part was as we were putting up our tent I mean I was down I was already putting up my tent but it was also like we were in the parking lot of a hotel and if they had denied us (laughs) from going five feet into the hotel rooms which I googled it's like ten dollars a night max for the suites that would have been kind of cruel. I think the second breaking point was when we were in the Maasai Mara in the Serengeti we had this module with this really high up director at NEMA, which is the Ministry of Environment for Kenya. And he was helicoptered in to teach this one module. And it was a big deal that he was there. But he was teaching us about, I mean, very basic concepts. So the group wasn't really having it. It was kind of a hot mess. And uh, yeah, one student yelled at the director. It was not good. There was just a lot of tension and it was very disorganized, the lesson, honestly. And he's a really interesting guy and had some really important stuff to say. But our group was not working well and we weren't sure what he wanted us to do. And someone just really lashed out at him and got so mad. Yeah, basically, we took out all our anger on this guy. So that was kind of a low point for the group. But that really only lasted about time five to ten minutes and the rest of it was very cool and I think we had a good experience with the director otherwise that was just kind of like a breaking point for the group dynamic. We definitely learned a lot about being in a group and working with others because we didn't know anyone before going on this trip and it was a very random mix of people with very different interests so we had some people who studied biology, some people in the social sciences, international development, geography. We had a real mix of nationalities, even ages and religious beliefs. And as a group, we wouldn't have been together in any other setting or we wouldn't have really been friends otherwise. But we were put in such a unique setting that we really learned a lot about each other very quickly and became very close in a weird way because 
we were also always together we didn't have any privacy we were always sharing rooms and we didn't have any much free time or when we did have free time there was nowhere to go so the whole group dynamic was really crazy and that was hard for a lot of people to adjust because just the lifestyle was so different from I think what we a lot of us maintain at home where you'd have more alone time and it was hard for some people who didn't have their normal outlets to maintain their mental health they didn't have the same support networks or the same resources and access to different coping mechanisms so that was challenging and I think it was good in some ways that we just were with each other all the time so that enabled us to kind of share and open up and become close really fast but it was definitely challenging for a lot of people to be in that intense environment all the time including ourselves at times but I was surprised because Kelly's mental health was really great the whole time during this trip Not that she's not great otherwise, but she was just a lot more happy and involved or kind of stable, stable, (laughs) I guess, Um, during this trip, which seems seemed kind of odd because in some ways it's really destabilizing to be in that environment of such intense activity all the time. So you don't really know whether you're going to thrive, which she did in that setting or kind of flounder. Uh, well, that's pretty dramatic, <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? I'm not sure why that is, honestly. I definitely do like being busy all the time, and I liked that we didn't have any free second most of the time, honestly. We touched on this on the other episode, but I think during the trip when you, maybe when you see poverty or when you have to worry about elephants trampling you or kind of these concerns that would not really be present when we're back home your thinking goes to a higher level where you're not kind of dwelling on smaller things or complaining about smaller things because you also have so much intellectual stimulation too and you just have a totally different mindset than you do at home. So I think it was really cool to break those patterns. So, I mean, yeah, it was good for some people and then worse for others, I would say. Also, Kelly normally in Montreal sets 10 alarms And it's kind of annoying. (laughs) She can't wake up to the first alarm. So everyone in the house hears all 10 alarms and her snoozing all 10 alarms. But then I realized because at the last stop when we were in Stonetown Zanzibar, I realized that Kelly was not setting an alarm. Well, for the first time, we'd been put in the same room. This was the room of 17 people, but our beds were right next to each other. Sachi turns around to me as we're about to go to sleep. Kelly, did you put an alarm on for the morning? My phone's dead. And then I reply, well, I don't set an alarm here. (laughs) Because most of our classes would start at 8 a.m., 7 a.m., or even 4 a.m. So really, my habits of being a nighttime person were really out of whack. And I have now become a morning person. Though I realize that there's a difference between being a morning person and being able to get up early. I still don't want to do things in the morning. But I was just waking up. Do you think I changed during the trip? I think, hmm, I don't think you've really changed much. You were definitely more familiar with what we were getting ourselves into, I think. But in a different way. I mean, you have lived in India and several developing countries. So you definitely had a better idea going in, I think, than I did. But I think, if anything, it just confirmed other interests of yours, which isn't a bad thing. 
and you still really thrived in the environment and made the most of it and when we were interviewing people and doing different things but I don't think you'd want to do field work as a career <laughs> the first campsite we got to I didn't think it was looking good Sachi was so upset with the setup at first but she quickly adapted and got on board with the whole <laughs> camping idea yeah, I remember I called everyone I knew and I was so dramatic. <laughs> like, I don't know if I can do this for three months. I don't think field work is the way to go for me. <laughs> but she's definitely very capable of it. Why do you think you were so on board immediately? The camping and the setup for me, I suppose, was a minor thing to endure for the things we got to experience. And it was definitely worth everything and honestly it was really like glamping at times with the bundus and our tents and we did go especially in lake naivasha i mean all the camping cars that were there had diplomatic plates it was really a nice place <laughs> we did have a full-time doctor at all times during the trip and we had the bundus so we had it good i mean we had we had to camp but we had a safety net for sure and yeah, honestly, by the end of the trip, we were all so sad to say bye to them because they really became, we even became so close with all of them. Yeah, if you're ever in traveling in East Africa, contact Mukhtar, head of Bundus, and they're honestly the best people to travel with. This concludes our lighthearted episode on our experiences in East Africa. We have a few more episodes coming out that go into more depth talking about some of these experiences and particular stories about the people we met and places we saw and how our perspectives have changed and how our career goals or interests have changed and all of that. But we just thought it was fun to share, you know, the <laughs> <laughs> sleeping next to hippos and some travel tips. Don't pitch your tent by fresh water. Never. Iron your clothes because you don't want to get mango flies on you. Peanut butter is your best friend. <laughs> yeah, these are kind of niche travel tips, but they work. 